and we are live. We are live. Not over text. Your boys are back. Sam. You have no idea how we do this. Son. I have no idea how we do it. I'm freestyling. It, it has been a while. I am Carl. This is not over text conversations. Better had in person. It's been a while. And I feel like we say that every time we record. But life happens. And so um, happy Father's Day. Place. Happy Father's Day, my friend. Thank you. So Thank you very much. I, I think that gives uh, context to the people. It, it is uh, Sunday, June 21st. It is Father's Day. Uh, it's two days after Juneteenth and uh, a few weeks after uh, George Floyd was murdered uh, by Minneapolis police officers. And we were supposed to record uh, that week and life had something else in store. I uh, actually was sick, uh, ended up in the hospital for a couple of days. And thankfully, I tested negative for COVID. Um and so I wasn't able, or we hadn't been able to record for a while, but I'm happy to say I am uh, fully recovered and, and happy to be on the mic with you again. Yeah, man, same here. You know, uh, like you said, life comes at you very fast in many different directions that you just can't account for, right? And, you know, it, I don't know if it makes you realize the things that are really important or not, but it just, it, it almost like forcefully centers you Right. And then it's like it centers you in a way in which, you know, some of it is good and reflective and a lot of it is like just shitty. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, you know, 2020 has been the year of a lot of shit. And with the couple that with what happened with George Floyd being murdered in Minneapolis, it was just like. And the way in which it was captured is just like this. Like, where are we going with this yeah. year? Yeah. Right. With the energy of this year. Right. George Floyd being murdered by police officers is not new, but the way in which it was captured, the duration at which it took for him to lose his life and us observe it, um, the way in which it was shared. And then how he was murdered by that officer compiled with other officers who did not do anything to stop it. It's just like it just was unlike any other video we had seen with people doing wrong. Right. Right. And, you know, I outside of the way the year had gone, even, even just that alone, that video alone was just like so impactful and um, afflicting, I think, upon upon myself. And clearly from what we've seen throughout the nation, upon the people of this nation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the interesting thing for me, I I have not watched the video. Right. I've seen. The pictures, it's heinous to watch the officer with his hands in his pocket as if he's just chilling um, with his knee on this man's neck. Right. What was rough for me as part of that and in purposely not watching the videos, I also wasn't able to really engage myself in the discourse that week because I was sick um, that Monday Memorial Day, uh, my uh, so I was having symptoms except for shortness of breath that were very similar to COVID, a high fever. Um, and so it was more my focus was on, on my health. And, and the Friday I ended up in the hospital. Uh, and for me, I didn't sleep well that night. Um, I didn't actually make it into my room until about 2.30 Saturday morning because I had to wait for my COVID results to come back before um, getting placed in my room. But and I probably only slept an hour 
and woke up and I was in this sterile environment and made the mistake of going on Instagram and just seeing everything around the murder of George Floyd and thinking about my situation in life at that specific moment and that he could have, we could have been him or any one of us, he could have been. Uh, and I broke down, right? In, in a hospital bed, it was rough. Uh, but I can, to say it was rough for me, you think about George Floyd and, and all the people who have died unjustly before him and, and I don't want to say died and murdered unjustly before him and since Rayshard Brooks um, and, and many others and thinking about their station in life and their families and what this has led to in terms of the people call it civil unrest, but in reality, it's designed protests and it is um, an attempt to be heard when nobody will listen when you're trying to speak civilly. Um, and my only hope is that this doesn't end like prior times where there's sort of uproar for some time and then it dies down and there's no change whatsoever. Yeah. You know, um, I keep thinking like what is and how is and through what motion do we get the answers and the results that we're all looking for right and the answers and the results that are overdue and well-deserved and it's just like it's super it's very daunting to think of yourself back in junior high school and high school learning about this and just feeling young and you know not necessarily unless you know racism was like straight like really in your face and I don't know if you experienced that you know here in, in New York but you know, like down south, you know, black mm -hmm. kids being raised there probably experience that at, 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 a, at a much higher level, right? And I know, I know racism existed around me, but I'm not sure that I saw it, you know, for what it was at the time because New York's New York's a different type of place, right? And then now to imagine myself as the old cat, right? Who, while I was, while we were young, there were older cats and older people we were reading about, both in textbooks that were still alive. And a lot that were dead. And now we're the old person in the room, older ones in the room, mm -hmm. where it's like we are the ones who could be most responsible for financial change based on the decisions that we make, um, both with ourselves and our communities that can be responsible for political change based on the fact that, you know, we're the ones that people vote for just by age, a proxy of age, right? right. Like. You know, but but to think that we're not that far or we haven't taken that many steps or, you know, all the stuff we were reading about civil rights, Mal Malcolm X, Martin Luther King. And it's like how you know it's almost like they want to teach you how we won, mm -hmm. but we never won. Right. Right. We never won. And, you know, it's almost like with Barack, how we won and we didn't win. No, again, at all. Right. I, so. Yeah. So now I'm so afflicted emotionally when I see the distress happening to the lives, right? Like that's really what this is about, right? It's been about the lives and the George Floyd thing, the thing that I'm Pat that like really hit me the hardest that I just can't forget, right? I didn't watch the video for the eight, eight minutes and 46 seconds. I didn't, couldn't, mm -hmm. 
right? Like, I'm, I'm, like I, it's not my thing to watch somebody like die and slowly lose their life. Right. I watched it because I didn't know what it was at first. Okay. Right. And then you're watching it and you're observing it and you're like, okay, this guy's just, and you, I already knew what happened because it had already happened. Now the video was being shared. Mm-hmm. So I didn't need to watch to the end to know that he already died. But, you know, I'm watching the video when I initially watched it. And, and what I was most impacted by were two things. One, there were people around watching saying, you need to get off him. And it's not like it was any different than other 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 times. But there was young people around saying, the guy saying you can't breathe. You need to get off him. It's like, yo, help him. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you're just going to stand there on his neck. He's saying you can't breathe. Like, they're saying what he's saying on his behalf. But he's saying it. Right. And the co- so that's one thing. But then the second thing was the cops that weren't the ones on his neck were just not addressing that issue so it's very discombobulating to see all those things coming and converging and the result is still (laughs) we just we just snuff this man out slowly and and you know nobody and the last thing they probably and i think about them like the last thing they probably are doing is taking full responsibility of what they did. Well, Both the ones that had the, clearly the one who had his, 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 his knee on his neck, but to the other one, the ancillary ones, they're probably just like, they don't even know what happened. But what happened was you didn't do your fucking job. Well, the, you didn't do, yeah. you didn't do right by the, the constituents in your community. You didn't do right by that man. Well, well, they don't, of course they're not taking responsibility because one, the, medical examiner's report came back and basically said he had underlying conditions that led to his death and wouldn't call um, it death by strangulation or asphyxiation. What always bothers me about this, and you heard it a lot when Eric Garner was murdered um, and said he couldn't breathe, is this talk about if you can speak, you can breathe. And it's like, no, that's not how it works. You can be choking and audibly making sounds. It doesn't mean that you're not choking or it doesn't mean you're not suffocating. Right. Those two things are not mutually exclusive, especially when you're slowly sucking slowly the ear yeah. out of somebody. Right. You can still be audible the same way. And, and I don't know how the, true this is because I've never witnessed um, someone who's been shot and died, but in, in movies and TV, people will be speaking and then expire, right, a, a second later, or um, people who, who take their final breath, right? They're, they're on the way to not breathing anymore, but they, they could breathe, but it doesn't mean they weren't, you know, I can't breathe Under wasn't duress. true exactly yeah. at the time. Um, the, the other thing... I agree with you that the, the other officers didn't do their job. One of the things I've heard in, in talking to um, frat brothers who are retired officers, and, and this goes to the, the point that we're seeing in, in trying to end systemic racism and the issues with institutions that lead to these things is two of the four officers apparently had only been active for four days. And the... Uh, officer who whose neck was whose knee was on George Floyd's neck was actually their training officer so they're not going to being rookies feel comfortable based on how the system is designed to say to him you got to chill or you need to stop right that it's not excusing it whatsoever in terms of their personal 
actions, as you said, they didn't do their job because at the end of the day is their job is to protect and serve and they failed at that. But it's the system that's designed, uh, especially when it comes to black people, to not allow for that. Yeah. And, you know, you know, I know me and you are not here to, you know, try to rediscuss, you know, something that's been in the news for weeks. And it's, it's really depressing. It's really depressing. And, you know, I had seen George Floyd, a, a post by George Floyd on the internet circulating. And I think, I think he clearly he was doing some type of IG story, just talking to the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that I had seen that from anybody else that was previously murdered in the way we've seen in recent years. And it, it was just like, it, it felt like my, a guy that could have been my uncle was just yeah. trying to spit knowledge. Right. Like he was he wasn't trying to, you know, sell nothing, be nothing, do nothing like he clearly was a man that has experienced some hardships. Right. And he was just trying to tell his truth about, man, I'm just out here. You know, you know, when when people when you trying, people are shitting on you. And when when you're not trying, people are shitting on you. Right. And he was just like he was just like naturally talking. and, And everything he said just sounds like it made me feel like I was. 12 or 14 listening to an uncle just trying to like tell you something right and he's just like i'm not out here putting on just just want people to know like you know it's okay like he was talking to people to also let them know that it's okay too like the shit he's been through without saying it it's like and if you've been through some shit it's okay and we'll be okay and you know we'll come out of it and you know i'm not trying to pose or be nothing that i'm not and you know just you know just listening to it that really made me just feel like that life is gone, but then, you know, when you see it in the news and you realize, you know, and, and you continue to realize that it's even maybe more pertinent to me today on Father's Day that, you know, the chain of events of taking away a life is not just take, taking away a life, is not just taking away that life, right? A, a wife has no husband. Right. Mm-hmm. Children have no fathers or mothers, right? You know, Parents have lost a son. Brothers have lost a, 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 a sibling. Sisters have lost a sibling. And you're just like, there's so many rippling do- rippling dominoes that come across that one action. And I feel like that's what hurts me the most by the side of society that doesn't get it. Right? Because they try to say, if you didn't, like Trevor Noah had a great piece, like if. They keep changing the ifs. Mm-hmm. If you weren't wearing a hoodie, mm-hmm. if you didn't resist arrest, if you didn't run away, if you didn't do this, yeah. if it wasn't dark, if like it just keep changing the ifs on the sentences to defend how the situation goes left. And I'm like, and then you also see all the examples of, you know, pe- white people who have done horrific things that have just not had to die for it. And to me, it's not about white or black, though it is about white or black. To me, it's just like, clearly there's an issue mm-hmm. like clearly there's an and issue. no one wants to face up to it and nobody and nobody mm-hmm. wants to own it and people want to defend some other bullshit i'm just like do you care about that man's wife are you thinking about her or are you just trying to talk about his life as it's as if it's a singularity your life is not a singularity when you go home it's highly unlikely that nobody in the world cares about you or is thinking about you or wants to call you or text you or you want to call and text and if their life is just gone, it's just like, oh, okay, 
let's keep it moving. Another, you know, just another life just removed. So, you know, to think about how many black lives that has happened to, then it, it really means similar to when, you know, they were sending black men off to jail. You weren't just putting a man in jail. You, you were almost like defunding a, a family, mm-hmm. right? Like a whole family. Now, now it's it's just another way of, of doing the same thing. Well, and, and a lot of that again goes back to the the systemic point: is it, it's by design. So, when the Thirteenth Amendment abolished slavery, it abolished slavery except for punishment for crimes. So, all they did was overcriminalize the black body as a way to continue to enslave. Right? If we if we start to uh, go out and look to round people up for minor offenses and then find ways to keep them imprisoned as a result of that, we can justify the continued in enslavement. And so it's very much the same way about people not caring what they ultimately do to the black family as a result of either imprisoning or killing uh, uh, a father, a mother, a son, a daughter, a brother, a sister, because that's what their intentions as a system are right. And, and I, I don't want to spend too much time um, sort of, I don't want to say rehashing, but we've feel like people have been inundated with the news and, and social media and, and all this talk. And, and then we've seen since then Rayshard Brooks was murdered uh, in Atlanta uh, in a Wendy's parking lot. And we, we saw the Atlanta, um, teens or, or college students who were yanked out of their car and assaulted by police officers when all they were trying to do was get home and navigate their way through one of the protests that, that was taking place. And it feels like a lot of these officers are out for revenge, right? Uh, and, and it's hard to deal with it. And one of the things that I've seen, which I, I, I want to talk about, is this narrative around the role that celebrities play in situations like this and and the voices that they might have or or what people look to them for when situations like this arise or the current situation we're um, facing. And so, you know, we've talked before on this podcast about uh, Dave Chappelle and our love for the the genius comedian. And he did a a special uh, earlier this month called 846 um, and basically started by saying all of these people are talking and like they want to hear what he has to say and he's like why i don't have anything special to bring to the table in terms of this discourse right and why is it that people are looking to me and or other celebrities to have something profound to say and i'm wondering your thoughts on why people do that it was funny he's like is anybody really looking for Ja Rule right now? What Ja has to say, you know? And anybody that knows Dave's stand-up, that's that's like coming full three sixty on a joke he told almost probably ten years ago. But you, you know, know where you thoughts, know why he you know why he said that or where that comes from? Why he said it the first time no, he no, said it? Yeah, yeah. The reference the, of the, Ja Rule. Why? The where's the where's Ja reference? Yeah. No, I don't, I'm not sure that I know so, where's Jaws reference. So uh, following 9-11, apparently like oh, yeah, some news know. network. T- TRL. Yeah. Right. Asked Ja Rule for his thoughts. And it's like, the hell do we care what Ja Rule has to say about this terrorist attack? What can he bring? What specialty does he have to 
add something to the conversation that's worthwhile. And that that probably right there answers your question, right? So what it is is that I guess over the course of time, outlets seem to want to use. I'm going to try to like sophisticate this up a little bit, but Mm -hmm. maybe I'm just going to ramble. But outlets seem to try to use the figures and the figureheads that I guess we look at at in good times for in bad. Right. And I think the reason for that is because we congregate around them already for a purpose. Mm -hmm. Right to entertain or whatever, right? Like we congregate around them, whether it's watching their movie, listening to their music, you know, maybe they're reading their books, you know, they maybe act as a hub for society to be doing the same thing at the same time. Right. And this is me trying. Right. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm never, I'm not done a study on this. So maybe for some reason they think, you know, in order to continue being those outlets that they are, they've never looked to people with levels of sophistication like a um, Michael Eric Dyson or a Cornell West mm-hmm. or somebody who's learned in the the deep roots of what the issue is in society. But there's like, well, let's just go back to Ja Rule. Like Ja Rule was yeah. just here two weeks ago and he did a concert. Well, let's go back to Ja Rule and ask him what his thoughts are because all the minds that watch our show think about Ja Rule. But you're not servicing society in that way because though people may want to hear what Ja has to say because he's a lightning rod for attention, there's nothing to listen. Like there's nothing to like, there's nothing that you can learn from listening to what Ja has to say because he's not learned. Right. Right. He couldn't tell you about systemic racism unless he could. Right. And I don't, but, but I after, think we, after the fire, know. the fire Netflix special, I know Ja cannot. <laughs> and I All think right? people knew that at that time because you would know going in because they would have spoken on that subject at some point previously. And so out of the blue to ask for them to, you know, expound on this subject, it's just, to me, it's a creating a false narrative in a sense that this is the person who speaks for our people right yeah yeah and it's like you're doing especially like running out to seek the the voice of celebrities i think takes away from the people who are on the front line who are learned on the subject who are doing their best to bring the right attention to the movement and it's almost as if you're trying to discredit what they bring to the table by saying, well, we want to hear what the celebrities have to say. Yeah, it's really just the lazy way out, right? Let's just give people more of what they know instead of teach people about the things they don't know that mm-hmm. could be causing these issues, right? Like what could Kim Kardashian, I think, has the most followers on, Insta- followers on Instagram, right? And, and mm-hmm. I think Instagram, let's use that as the measure for messaging, okay. right? So Kim, you know, LeBron, like guys like that. And it's just like, if Kim didn't say anything, right? Or let's say Kim didn't post the Blackout Tuesday post, right? They'd be coming for her, right? They'd be coming like Kim didn't say anything and Blackout Tuesday happened and she didn't have a blackout, whatever. And, you know, me, I don't know that I'd be coming for Kim because, again, I'm not measuring the real issue at hand by Kim's opinion, 
right? Though I would like for Kim and everybody else's opinion to align on what is a human, a basic human request, right? To respect us as a people here in society, mm-hmm. which you have not done and are not and continuing to not do, you know, like that would be my thought about, you know, if Kim dropped the message, but not like, is she, does she have something to say because she is who she is and she has a lot of attention and followers or same thing for, I don't know if the same thing for LeBron because LeBron is a black man. So I might hold it closer right. to the vest, but, um, but you know, you, you pick the celebrity and, you know, and it's just like, you know, again, people want it. People, as in their followers, people, as in society, people, as in e network and e news, want to hear. But like, are, are the question is, are these people worth listening to? Like, to me, Dave, when he does his stand up, especially more recently, not not mm-hmm. originally, but especially more recently, there's knowledge in there. Like, he right. drops knowledge, right? For all the jokes that he tells, he's trying to also empower your brain in a way in which you walk out hopefully thinking about elements of I think I think his approach is like being a human amongst other humans that maybe you you didn't see or you weren't thinking or you know because he made you laugh at it it, it kind of enlightened you a little bit so you know when I listen to like I want to hear what Dave's take on it is because <laughs> maybe one he'll tell a joke and he can kind of make me laugh for a few minutes mm-hmm. in a depressed state mm-hmm. But two, you know, I almost kind of look at him as a teacher. And, and funny enough, when he did this 846, I kind of got visuals of him being a preacher because mm. he was holding this book and yeah. it almost looked like he was holding a Bible. Right. And he was talking to this crowd. And it, to me, it looked like, you know, you know, those it was outdoor movies, like revival. Yeah, service. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Where it's not like there's a there's a church, but it's I, out in the middle I, of nowhere. I spent many, congregate. many a days in those uh, settings throughout the world. Jamaica here. Yeah. And it kind of looked like that. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't searching for it. Right. It's not like, I, right. you know, I had this thought pre premeditated in my mind, but I'm watching him like and, and the passion in which he spoke. It, I've been in church before. I grew up in church. It felt like a preacher trying to beat in people's head, you know, follow the Lord. The Lord is, you know, do right by the Lord. The Lord will do right by you. You know, tired, like all that messaging and all the fire that I would see preachers at mm-hmm. the pulpit, you know, speaking to myself, my family, the congregation. It's like I'd always be thinking, like, is that real? Right. You know, just because, you know, there's always there's, I don't theater. know if it's the cynic they, in me or whatever, no, but it's just like. You know, it's still this mythical God and you have that much passion for your messaging. Right. And you're trying to help people's lives through your message. And I was watching Dave as he was giving numbers and and, you know, the 846, the Kobe, the when he described, you know, the earthquake that happened for 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And he's like, that was 30 seconds. And I almost lost my shit. I lost my shit. Not almost. I lost my shit in 30 seconds of an earthquake when he first got to L.A., he's like, imagine eight minutes and 46 seconds of somebody right. on your neck. Right. And he, was, he wasn't he was saying that lightly. He was screaming it mm-hmm. at the crowd. And I just felt like this very, it took me back to church, especially, like I said, with him holding that book in his hand. That's an interesting take. I, I So I thought it was emotional and raw. What I appreciated is he spoke when he was ready when he felt like he had something to say and he, he didn't while, you know, a lot of his comedy has political undertones, has a message to it. He could have 
spent a lot more time. He said, I'm going to come out. I'm going to just say how I'm feeling. It'll be, it ended up being less than half an hour and he was done. I didn't necessarily get that church vibes, but now that you're, you're saying that I, I kind of see it. Um, your point for some, and it is very real, but for others, it's theater, right? And, and they, they want to add drama in there and, and for various reasons. Um, the thing that also strikes me about news networks and society in general, et cetera, saying we want to hear what the celebrities have to say is that then when those who actually have something worthwhile to say, we also want to discredit it or not listen. So uh, I'm often reminded of um, one of Chris Rock specials where he talked about police brutality and he said they are the only industry where you can say well, we got a few bad apples and they kill people. But, you know, it happens where he's like, imagine American Airlines was like, yeah, most of our pilots are great, but we have a few who like to fly into mountains or who don't want to land. Well, a few bad apples. It's like, no, you, you can't have that. Right. And it just can't be something that we can accept and we should not. Uh, and hopefully this brings the change that and, and I think a lot of it. Well, let me back up is we should not accept this. And what I'm saying in, in terms of why I hope this ultimately brings the change is that generations have passed at this point. So I saw a video on social media where uh, a white young lady, teenage college age, was talking to her parents about racism and was just trying to get through their head that we have to care about people who were being killed in the streets and, and the parents were just sort of like, well, and part of it is, is that's what's been ingrained in them. And I have hope that because, and I don't want to say in a sense of that generation's dying out, but with generations who are far more further removed, and, and I'm really talking about white people because ultimately the change has to come from them deciding to change. And I'm hoping that the current generation, which has grown up in a more tolerant society, which has seen hope and, and change in terms of Obama's election and, and some of the changes that that brought and equality for um, LGBTQ and and certain progress that has been made, recognizing that we still have a long way to go. I'm hopeful that we will see um these changes. But I, I think one of the, to go back to my point, one of the hard things is, is that we want people to speak up. Uh, but then when we do, we tell them to shut up, right? The, the shut up and dribble, which we saw with LeBron and other athletes. Uh, but it's amazing when it's a white athlete who speaks up, it's keep going, keep talking right now. We want to listen. Um, now it's, well, you, you have something to say. And so we're all ears. It's not even just that. They, they make it simple. There's like, well, a man has an opinion. He's allowed to say his opinion. All right. And I'm just like, OK. So so tell me the complexity between having an opinion and anything LeBron or anybody of color has ever said. Right. right? That's all they're doing. They're expressing not even an opinion. What is fact? Right. But, you know, let's let's say it your way. Right. They're expressing an opinion on something that's happening in a society that's relevant to them. And they're just asking that you listen and act, but it's like, no, do your job. And what, like what <laughs> Ingram went as far as <laughs> saying, you know, 
are you going to take advice from somebody who didn't finish high school or however she phrased it? And it was like, do I need to finish high school to have an opinion? Right. All right. And then <clears throat> the thing, the Laura Ingram thing made me think one thing specifically, right? Which is, and, and not, the Laura Ingram thing tied with a conversation I was listening to on the Michael K show, right? So, Laura says what she says, Drew Brees says what he says, and then Laura, now there's a clip of Laura saying the man's allowed to have an opinion. And then Michael Kay and them are talking about the Drew Brees comment and, you know, how he was going to get backlash and all this stuff. And then they eventually got to cap. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm going to cut this short, but Mike's, Michael says he's, he's all for protest, but cap kneeling makes him uncomfortable, right, as a form of protest, right? Makes him uncomfortable, um, and, and this and that, just because he's just like that act, you know, I guess for whatever, you know, whatever personal feelings he has for this country and the flag, you know, just makes him uncomfortable. And all right, one, that's, that, that means it's doing its job. Right. 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 But, but, but two, you know, when it came back to Drew, though Mike didn't agree with Drew's thing, he's like, you know, he'd rather someone stick with the thing that they said, said and believe than to like the next day have to come back and apologize because it's like, do you think somebody's changed in 24 hours and right. 48 hours and this and, and and I believe that to be true. It's like if a man has an opinion, just let him say his opinion. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like, though that is true, the reason I listen to his show is because I have some level of respect for him and their opinions and the quality that I look at their programming. But sometimes it goes left for me because the Laura Ingram thing made me think this. Something simple. Women's suffrage. Women being ha- women having the right to vote in this country, right? They had mm-hmm. to fight for that. Right. White 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 women and women of color. Except that but, women of color right? were and, highly and now, left out of the movement. But that's another conversation for another day. Right. So and now they have the right to vote. There's people in this country that believe women should not vote. Right. Right. There are people who have that opinion, like, you know, women should be homemakers. Women should follow suit with their husband. Mm -hmm. You know, women should not have a voice that empowers them like there's People that hold that as an opinion. And that is an opinion. Right. So Laura Ingram, white woman here on her platform, if somebody said, you know, well, I don't think women should be out here voting. Right. But they do. And we let them. So so be it. Right. I'm shutting their mic off. (laughs) <laughs> yeah right yeah, not because, because they can't have an opinion not because they don't have an opinion but because they're dumb yeah and their opinion is both dumb and possibly infectiously dumb and it's widely not accepted so why allow them to why allow to it spew the foolishness i always love to say when or one of the sayings i've heard when people love to spout, well, it's my First Amendment right to say my opinion and what I want. Well, it's also my right to tell you it's stupid. Your opinion yeah. is dumb. Yeah, right. So I think you hit the nail on the head, right, which is because it's widely, wi- widely accepted that, you know, women and men, you know, for all intents and purposes, should have all the equivalent rights in society. Right. Then if somebody's spouting otherwise. That's not just them having an opinion. That's just them being dumb and not adding value or purposely so being it, controversial to purposely to being controversial, up. whatever mm-hmm. you, whatever you want, however you want to measure it. You're not adding value, right? You're actually, you're actually being detrimental. And what I'm not going to allow you to do 
is to say detrimental things. And I'm not, what I'm not going to do is just defend your ability to say detrimental things by saying you have an opinion. I'm right. going to shut you down. Right. And that's what people on Fox News and other channels don't do. Right. They defend. And that's when I know that's when right. I see them mm-hmm. and think of them as racist and or supporting racist behaviors. Right. And we're at the point where it's not like it's not OK to be not be racist. You need to be anti-racist. anti-racist. You need to actively participate in shutting down the bullshit. Right. So when people aren't doing that, you know, in any capacity, celebrity or otherwise, I think we've gotten to the point where it's just like it's time to check you because what else can we do? Right. Like, what else are we going to do? Just be like, OK, ignore that person. It's like even telling even telling them to get away and ignoring them. It apparently is not enough. So I, I like your Drew B- Brees point because I, I don't think his opinion was dumb or it was that controversial. Um, it was a learning moment in reality. He has. It wasn't dumb, but it was ignorant. It was ignorant. Right. But but yeah. not dumb in, in the way of people who there's just outright no way what you're saying makes sense. Right. He has his basis based on the fact that his grandfather, whomever fought in wars in support. And so he needed to be educated on the fact. Well, so did uh, some of black people. So did black people. Right. Black people were there fighting among them and still fighting racism at the same time. Um you, you and I were talking before we started recording about Watchmen and in one of the in the second episode, there's a flashback to um, the World War Two and the black man in Germany and one of the white officers who's riding by on a horse spits on him and they're in the army together. Right. So this is what uh, black people were facing. He what always bothers me about this point about kneeling is disrespectful to the flag, first of all. Kneeling is generally seen as a reverence type of thing, right? And you're talking to elders, you kneel to speak with them or submissive. You're, you're right. You're praying in church, you kneel or you're doing a submissive act, you kneel. And Cap specifically was actually sitting first and had conversations with military vets who told him it would be more respectful if he took a knee. He didn't just start taking a knee because he decided that's what he wanted to do. He went out and informed himself or got the opinions of people he respected who he felt would be able to give him good perspective on the best way to protest and bring attention while not being disrespectful. But what always bothers me about this conversation is is that it, it is not illegal to burn the flag. And the flag has been burned many times in protest by white people. People wear the flag on their body, bikinis, bathing suits, other items of clothing. That seems a little more disrespectful to me to put the flag on your ass than it is to to kneel, right? And so Breeze was ignorant. I don't think he should have come out and apologized the way he did because like you you mentioned is in his opinion didn't change. Right. And so what he could have said is, look, that's my opinion based on how I was raised. I'm being educated. It's going to take me time to understand and to have a better perspective um, on this situation. Right. But there's always I think there's always a disconnect because or not even disconnect. People purposely decide to leave out what they want to leave out. Nobody wants to talk about the burning of the flag and the fact that it has been done and is allowed in reality. So 
why is there such a problem with something that you would be considered much less disrespectful than setting a flame to the physical flag? You know, this whole shit is just fucking wacky, right? It's just wacky. And, you know, you know, I was talking to my wife about another element of this thing that I've been thinking about recently. And when I say I was talking to, I mean, years ago mm-hmm. and years ago, as in when Trump was elected. Right. And one of the points, you know, I'm just like, obviously, we were all shocked. And, you know, this is probably maybe a year or two into his presidency. You know, so we're past shock now. We're just living in it. Yeah. And, you know, and we're seeing some wacky shit happening, happening in the country. And she's like, the problem isn't that he's just elected. The problem is that he's empowering people with ideologies that are um, problematic, problematic Mm -hmm. to feel empowered to do things and behave in a certain manner. And I'm just like sitting there like, you know, thinking, you know, though that is true, the rest of us are out here doing other things, right? Like the rest of us out here, you know, doing, you know, trying to strive and do right by, and you know, these people who are doing this bullshit are like, you know, here and there, everywhere. And then you realize, you know, one, one, you know, that's not true, right? My, that opinion was not accurate. That they're just, there are a lot of assholes out here. Clearly there are because they voted for him, but two, uh, two, they do feel empowered and they have been emboldened to, you know, behave in what is definitely a problematic way. But three, finally, which is, I fucking appreciate it. Cause show me your face, like show me who you are. Cause there's more value in that. Cause that has led to where we are now, right? which is very necessary clearly. Right. Because we kept asking for the shit peacefully in different ways with different leaders and different leaders up until the point where we had the leader of the free world. Right. And we, and that, that almost is a form of us asking for the shit. You're talking about Obama, Obama. Uh-huh. And then they follow that up with Trump as a correction, clearly. Mm-hmm. But, but what, it, what, ha, what it is now gotten to, which is the, all right. So clearly we need to burn this shit down. Like clearly we need to Literally. behave. We, clearly we need to behave in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable. And it is not just cap, right? It's not just one NFL player that would be, you know, the lightning rod for all your fire and brimstone, you know, don't give him a job. He doesn't deserve to work, but now it's like, it's all of us, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, and it's all of us in different capacities, right? Because I don't know if I'm like, I don't know that I'm motivated to go physically protest in the streets but we were having book club the other day and i was like i've had enough and we need to do something with money and action right just just to leave something behind because i was like yo i'm getting old out here that goes back to the beginning of this conversation yeah. i'm not the kid in high school anymore that was just learning about this shit and be like oh okay yeah we're doing you know we're doing all right you know but now i'm like the guy with two kids and it's just like I'm looking at my son and thinking I, I really have to have this fucking conversation with him about how to be safe, mm-hmm. attempt to be safe in society um, as a young black man coming up, uh, as a black man, not young black man, as a black man, mm-hmm. right? And I don't even know that I ever had that conversation with my father, but I actually have to now do that, right? And I'm just like, just that thought stressed me the fuck out because it just, it only felt like I was reading that in books and hearing that right. in other people's documentaries and now, you're but now it's become my fucking life and it's just like all right so 
So what we're going to do is do some things. And if part of those things is protest, if part of those things is burn down your fucking targets and Walmarts and Wendy's. Right. And if part of those things is now, you know, get all this monetary donations to try to, you know, start figuring out ways to empower our communities and help our communities um, at levels that they weren't helped before, then so be it. Right. Because we've been asking. And, and again, it makes me think of another thing that I saw another young lady who <laughs> she said it so well. And I, I, you know, I can't say all the things that she said, but she's like, America is lucky that we're only asking for equality. And we're not coming for revenge. Yeah, I was just thinking about that, too. I'm happy you brought it up. And when you said that the the fear is or we're, we're stoking fear by the protests and burning shit down. But in reality is that the system's been living with fear. White people have been living with fear because if the shoe was on the other foot, they would have sought revenge. And so they can't understand why all we want is equality. And we haven't, and they've been afraid that we are going to seek revenge. At least that's my perspective. It's, on it's it. almost like, it's almost like that saying, like <laughs> what, how do parents say to their kids? Like, is it don't cry before I give you something to cry yeah, yeah, about? Yeah, you want me to give you something to cry for. It's like, what, yeah. what? Right, like you've been afraid of us and we told you you don't need to be afraid of us. But now we can give you something to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like now we can like make you uncomfortable right. and say it publicly that we know we make you uncomfortable. And we're okay with that because that's a you problem. That's not a me problem. Right? I've yeah. never been out here trying to fucking take your purse right. or come for your fam. Or, you know, have my presence be the thing that throw, that makes you call the cops. Or enslave you. Yeah, right? While we're in um, Central Park and you're the one doing wrong. Right. But call the, the cops to stoke the flames that a black man is somehow harassing or attacking you. And you put on, you know, white tears. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, are you, is this really fucking happening? And you're so bold to do it while you're being recorded the entire entire time like i can't just press play and show it's like yeah go ahead and press play because i'm a white woman like what do you think people want to watch that and not see that i'm in danger that's exactly what happened because yeah. you lost your fucking job but you, you know as trevor noah said the, the social contract's been broken the reality it was, is- it was never there right they, they, they it was always there for white folks amongst white folks and they you know and the funny thing is They've always shitted on white folks and then accepted them. When the Italians came, mm-hmm. they shitted on them and then accepted them. When the Polish came, they shitted on them and they accepted them. When the Jews came, they shitted on them and they've accepted them in some way, shape, or form. But when we were brought here from the jump, they shitted it on us and it's just like, well, they can't figure out a way to just say, we're fucking sorry. Well, skin, skin color allows you or race allows you to assimilate, right? And so while your ethnicity might be different, you look similar. And, and yeah. so we've been seen as less from from the beginning. And, and it's interesting to you saying that the social contract never existed because when when the Declaration of Independence was was signed, you know, it's all men are created equal in separating from Britain. But we weren't included in that. We weren't part of that thought men, uh, black people, women were indigenous people were not part of that all men are created equal and so 
we we like to say that you're right that there's a social contract but in reality there never was one because of that very fact alone right and, and the, the, as people say the original sin or stain of america persists and, and until people actively want to clean it up it won't it won't change what we're yeah, seeing and, and again it's like you know i don't know what the solution is you know i always thought it was just the old heads dying Right. And then you see examples and you hear examples from, you know, modern day individuals, you know, telling you stories about, you know, walking by someone and have, hearing their kid ask their parent, are, are those the, the niggers you be talking mm-hmm. about? Mm-hmm. Right. And then having to like you're a 30 year old man having to turn around and look at the parent to be like that's that's what you be doing in your house. Yeah. That, that that by the way that story is true. I'm just mm-hmm. going to leave out the names because it's not relevant, right? right? But that story was told by somebody recently as far as being them and their brother walking out of a department store in the parking lot headed towards their car walking by a white man and his young child he said couldn't have been older than 8. And he when they passed each other they were still in distance to hear and the kid asked the father, "Are those the niggers you talk about hmm. and then he had to look back and he's like he couldn't look at the kid right the yeah. kid is a kid mm-hmm. right but he looked at the father like so that's what you're doing he's like the father was clearly intimidated and clearly must have been scared and, and probably should have been ashamed of his, his fucking self yeah but when you realize like if that guy's 30 which is our age mm-hmm. and he it is no older than eight that's how this foolishness persists yeah. right there. Yeah. Yeah. That that so, makes yeah, me know. think of that YouTube short um uh, of the white man who who attacked the black man in um the parking lot of a, a supermarket and, and uh poured milk all over him and he the white man was subsequently um kidnapped by a, a group of black men who basically fully tattooed his body and covered him in blackface. Um from head to toe and and he returned home and his wife was scared and didn't know who he was. And he's like, it's me, it's me. And his kid ends up shooting him because of the hate that he had passed down to his child for black people. And and his son ended up shooting him thinking it was a black man breaking into their home. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. Though there was no concern the son watching his father assault a black man unnes- uh, unprovoked, com- completely unprovoked. And so uh, that's what you see, made me think of. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely tr- troubling times, harrowing times. It's a, it's a, it's a crazy year and we're 50% through. Yeah. Like I, like, I don't think it can be salvaged, right? Like that's <laughs> like, what do you think about what the rest of the year could possibly hold for you? If it wasn't, let's say the second half isn't as bad as this. How could you even like, how do you feel you could still feel ending this year? I I, I mean, there, there you're right. And in, in, is that there is no salvaging. And then the other thing is, is Corona is still out here and it's not going anywhere. And so my, a lot of my concern has been, um, while I, of course, want people to protest and, and it needs to be done is concerns that that's going to lead to a second wave that happens much sooner. And granted, um, we have to make cost benefit analysis in terms of the likelihood of contracting it and, and not letting that stop you from being out in the streets protesting, which is completely necessary. 
Um, I, I don't know. To, I can't really answer your question in terms of end of the year, but it, it makes me think about what I, I also wanted to discuss with you, um, sort of staying with the celebrities, but something we're seeing, we've talked a lot about interactions between races, but within the, the black community, I think we've seen um, a lot of discord in terms of how to properly approach protests and dealing with the issues that we're facing. So for instance, the NBA has announced that they're going to uh, restart their season uh, in a bubble at Disney world. And, and there's been some discord between players around the perceived distraction that resuming the NBA season would cause and and take away from the protests, right? A, A lot of what people have said is why we've seen the protests at the level we've seen them is because of cabin fever, for instance, people are at home and they've been stuck at home for months at this point, um, or because they don't have to go into the office, they have the ability to be out protesting, um, or they decide they're going to protest because it gives them something to actively do. And some of the concern that's been voiced um, and reports have said uh, have been attributed to players like Kyrie Irving is that people won't be talking about social justice um, because they'll be talking about what happened in the NBA last night. And I don't, I wonder if that's a, a false narrative. Um, I have an answer for that. And it's very simple for me. It's just not the conversation that's being had about it. Right. Which is, and I don't even know if my answer is accurate. Mm-hmm. Like I just make like, like you, I'm just searching for four answers and creating them in my head. But um, I'm going to answer the Kyrie thing directly and then I'll give you what my actual thought on what it could be, mm-hmm. right? So the Kyrie thing directly to me is, he's it's weird with Kyrie because he's a weird guy, right? Just in general with the opinions and things he said very loosely. And maybe, you know, you know, You're maybe he's just, then? you know, a guy that just likes to live on the edge and, you know, fuck around with social media and people just because he can. So then it's like, it's like almost like the boy that cries wolf. Mm-hmm. But now we're dealing with something serious. It's like, you're also the flat earther. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's like, you know, how do I know when you're affected and when you're not? Right? right. But, you know, why do I care? Right? But I'm just using that as an example. Yeah, so yeah, how yeah, do yeah. I know? But the thing with that is I get the sentiment. I just, I get the sentiment and I see both sides of the opinion. It's just that. And I'm not sure there is a right or wrong answer. Like, I think it's okay for people to want to go back to work in the NBA, right? Like, it's still a business that we're all trying to figure out how to get back to work. Mm -hmm. And how to get back to normal. Yeah, how how to get back to normal. Right? Like, even the protesters, like a bunch of them are probably unemployed, right? Because of the economic impact of COVID, right? A good amount of them. I don't know if it's 10%, right, 20%, right. but once you reach 20%, that's a lot of unemployed people that are standing in the street next to employed people, right? Either way, right? So I don't know if it's 50%, but a lot of them are probably unemployed. So everybody wants to get back to work to get back to helping themselves and their families. And I can't fault people for that at all. I don't, I, like, there's no part of, I'm still employed and I'm still working every day for the company that I go to, right? And that I know is directly tied to right. all the responsibilities I have and am beholden to with regards to my family. And I don't take that lightly. Right. So, you know, players 
just because they dribble the ball as their job. And that's the thing. I recognize that as a job. Mm-hmm. You know, they could it be is. celebrities and heroes to you. I'm just like, they're just people doing a job. Like when they're in, in contract negotiations with the owners and it's millionaires versus billionaires, I'm just like, well, I don't know what to do. That's their job. That's what you, they get paid for. So though I'm not a fan of it, I, I still recognize it as a business. But players wanted to go back to work. Players who have a passion for their job and want to win a title right like all the angles of it i have no issues with like that's real like that's tied to their heart and their being so i I won't stop them from being motivated to want to do those things i think i do think it's unfair for like the stephen jacksons and the tyrees of the world to just be like you know to almost um place upon society that these players are doing wrong by us if they return back to work yeah you know if you have an you know opinion that's opposite of it i think you can express that but it's almost like it's almost like you're you're not helping the movement if you do it i'm like i don't know that i see that part they're trying to guilt and shame them into exactly saying you're anti-movement because you're pro returning to your job or um the thing that you you love and, and my thing is that people are out here behaving like you can't walk and chew gum at the same, same time. Same time. These things don't have to be mutually exclusive. In my imagination around it is that, especially in this bubble situation, you're going to have NBA games going on all day. And if the players, when they're speaking to reporters, are taught reminding about the social justice movement, the you know Black Lives Matter movement, and the issues that we're facing, that brings a bigger platform. Nobody's really running out. To, and this kind of counters what I said before about do we really want to hear from celebrities? But nobody's running out to talk to these players right now. LeBron has the platform he has, and he he'll people will listen no matter what he says, and he's created his own um, platform to do his talking and recently announced that he's launching a voter, um, a voter rights uh, organization or movement. And so, but I think you can do both. You can bring awareness to the issues while also doing your job because as you said that's what many of us are doing we might not be out there um, physically protesting but we're supporting the protesters or we're part of organizations that are doing things to support while also going through our day our day-to-day my I can't say to my clients uh, you know there's a lot of, of roughness going on out there and I'm not handling it well because they have personal issues uh, that they need dealt with and they need my assistance in dealing with that. And so I have to be able to say as a professional, I can balance, I can walk and chew gum at the same time. And I think these athletes can do the same. Now here's my opinion. Mm -hmm. Like this is, this is my opinion on the thing. Okay. If I had a choice the players would not play. Okay. And they would not play because we were asking for people to pay attention to, you know, Black Lives Matter and asking and asking and asking and asking. Like it's for me, the players not playing is not a conversation. There's no talking. The players not playing is an economic impact on this country because clearly all sports being shut down has shown to be a huge economic impact on both their leagues and uh, and huge factions of this country, right? So players not playing 
will shut down stadiums, mm-hmm. will not allow people to come back to work that normally their everyday job is stadiums, will stop money going back to millionaires and billionaires that own these teams, right? So it's almost like you have this asset that's zeroed out. It's a zero number on 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 the, on the rev sheet. And right. it's not coming back until the players come back. And that forces, that's to me an economic approach to forcing people who can have these conversations with the politicians directly because that they're the biggest donors mm-hmm. and they're the ones who rub shoulders at, you know, the fifty thousand, hundred thousand dollar a plate, you know, fundraising events and all that stuff, who have the ears to be like, yo, this is hurting my fucking bottom line. And we need to cut the shit because if my players aren't coming back to work and this shit is done, what are they going to do? Is this going to like stop the league or are you going to hire replacement players and you think people are going to watch that bullshit? Nope. Right. So it would really look like like, it would really look like Kyrie and LeBron and them calling the NFL players to be like, we're not going back to work. All black players are not going back to work. All black athletes are not going back to work until this shit is changed. And that is a statement. That's not an ask. Mm-hmm. Like that is our statement. We have pushed it out. Let us know when you're ready to respond with the, the changes in the law with the police that you are going to give us two weeks from now, a month from now. We'll give you time to discuss, but come back with your solutions. It's not me protesting and waiting for the results of the protest years from now. It's something you can do right now that could possibly get shit done before the year is out. We're not going back to work. Yeah. Right. And we know it hurts your pockets and we know it's hurting our pockets. But the bigger thing is this society is fucking broken and fix it so we can go back to work comfortably. Like fix it so we can live and fix it so our people from the communities where you keep taking us from can live. And that that would be what it looked like for me. It wouldn't be a conversation of asking for people to pay attention to Black Lives Matter right. and this and that. And this. no, it's not a it's not a conversation about asking people to pay attention to a conversation. It's an economic statement that says these businesses and stadiums and venues are getting shut down because there's no players there. I, I think part of what makes it hard is that. A lot of people look at entertainment as necessary for your mental health, right? And and so, which makes it even more important why they need to get players back to work if they say they're not going back to work. True, unless you're saying right. your mental health is so discombobulated you can't think straight to even correct the issue. But I'm like, I don't care if you can't think straight. We can't live straight. No, I, I agree with you there. No, I do agree with you there, and I I didn't think of it from that perspective. And so, um, my walking chew gum point is a, a little nullified or, or or maybe it's just nullified i don't think that's like saying someone's a little pregnant um <laughs> yeah i, I think it, it's nullified there I, I see what you're saying uh i, I didn't think of it that way and, and so it, it's um like think about it this way part of the reason they had to get rid of donald sterling was because they didn't know if the clipper players were going to come back to the team true like you're there right. was always this threat that they like it's like they gave the league and silver like a week to fix it because you know the, the, they protested by reversing their shirts and throwing it at yeah. the middle of half court and they were doing things already while the league was trying to figure out the solution for silver but if they got that wrong i, I think those players walk yeah right and i think because silver was a smart guy and knew that that was a potential threat and it's like one whole team is one whole team being removed from the league fucks up the league yeah because right? then how do you reseed and redo everything mm-hmm. that's already happened, right? 
So it was like, we're like Chris Paul, I think was on the, you know, one of the, the vice president of the at a NBA players association and, and something like that. But either way, right. It was always like this threat of the players could walk. So now I'm saying that on a grander scale, we're shutting the league down because the like we're walking away from this country until you fix it because you like us for our, our entertainment value. You like us when we dribble balls. You like us when we sing, you like us when we dance, you, you like us when we do all these things and, and like us as in like us performing, Ex- not like right. us as people. Exactly. But as soon as that shit gets shut down and we got to go home, I'm the guy you're pulling over on my way back home from said stadium. Mm-hmm. So, so what what I just thought about, you you made me think about a conversation that was happening in one of our chats earlier this week about, or last week about um, Kyrie Irving, apparently it being leaked that he was suggesting to some players that they should start their own league. And I thought it was crazy. Um, and and now I, I know why is that, I thought it's crazy because it wouldn't work. But your what you just stated in responses is the attitude should be we should just stop playing altogether. Right. The mechanics around starting your own league take so long and take so much money that it would never work. But to shut down completely, you are spot on. The problem I think we we see with that and, and you're always going to see is, is that individual's own self-interest continues to take over. And so there will always be somebody who's going to say, nah, I'm going to play because this is what I believe at X, Y, Z. Or you saw, I think it was Pat Beverly of the Clippers said, if LeBron says we're playing, we're playing. Right. And that's what a lot of, and he might've been being a bit facetious, but that's what a lot of players will say is these are the guys who are the power brokers of the league. And if they the guys who are actually making the most money, because right. we're all some of us are living, you know, to say day to day and paycheck to paycheck just means you're living beyond your means and you have not been financially educated right. as to how to properly manage your money. But not everybody's making the millions and millions and billions of dollars. Fine. That's fine. Right. But then that's when you need to galvanize and be like, you know, it's almost as if you were striking from the league. Mm-hmm. Right. And you needed, you know, you needed to buy players time. So it's like, here's a pool of money that we will live off of until they, the league comes back with the contract we like. It's like, here's a pool of money we'll live off of until the league comes back and tells us we have our, they're going to help us get our rights. Yeah. No, you're, you're right there. Uh, I have nothing to add to that because I didn't think about it. And it really is a, a great point in terms of how to make a difference. Um, like by the, I, I kid you not by the end of this year, massive changes. Yeah. It's similar to, you know, when when the protests first started and people were burning targets, et cetera. um, And the thought was that makes sense, because if you burn enough of them, targets going to get fed up and they're the ones with the power because they're out here lobbying Congress and politicians for X, Y and Z. And and if they get tired of it to a point, they may actually wake up and say something's wrong here and we need to be part of the solution. Right. And so. um, yeah, no. Uh, now I, I think about it, it, it's do I watch, right, when they come back? Um, because if if they're not getting the viewership they expect, that may cause some type of change also. But we'll see, I guess. I don't know. You know, that, it's the thing is, one, there's no, there's no right or wrong answers on a lot of stuff that we're, 
we've been talking about, but I do want to say this. There's a fucking right or wrong answer on justice and injustice. Absolutely. And it's simple. And it's simple. Right? Like, I keep thinking this other thought. If these people needed a heart transplant, a liver transplant, and I was the match, are you not taking it? So, Sam, there there are some people who absolutely would not, and it's crazy to oh, yeah. think about, and they would rather And it's crazy, die, and but, they are but, clearly, but you're right. I respect them because they, they, they live and die with the cause. Sure. Right? They, they, that literally, literally is an example of living and dying with the cause. But that's probably a small percentage mm-hmm. of the people who of that population that would act that way maybe 5% at most 10, 90%. If you're telling them they're dying, you're dying and you won't see your family, your kids and all this other shit that you love to do and be. But if you take this heart from this person, from this black person, you get to live. It's a match blood match. So you think, can you get that from a fucking cow, a chicken, a whale, a dog, a dog that you guys value more than mm-hmm. black lives? Mm-hmm. No. Right? But, like, it's just these random... I just keep having these random thoughts of why it can't be seen so simple that we're all fucking the same. I know. I, I know. Um, but, and, yeah. And it, uh, that's... Those are my last words. I'm going to let you... I'm going to let you finish. Um, there's nothing to add on, on the points you just made. I'll close out by saying that in me bringing up the NBA... Um, and focusing the spotlight internally, I believe that we can challenge each other to be better while also challenging the system to be right. Right. Like you said, is that there's no question when it comes to justice and injustice. Um, but I, I think that we as human beings um, all have different opinions and approaches and have learned different things and studied and we can challenge each other to be better while at the same time in doing that, it will help us in addressing, making uh, the system better. So uh, I appreciate you uh, and the thought provoking uh, things you've raised for me. I feel like uh, parts of this conversation, I was even struggling to formulate my thoughts because of of how much uh, we were discussing um, and addressing. And I think coming in, I, I thought I knew for certain things what I wanted to talk about and then realize I hadn't necessarily formulated um, some of my thoughts. And some of it is, is that there isn't necessarily a true formulation. There's just because we're grappling with very challenging um, subjects uh, and, and we try to do that. So always good talking to you. Yeah. Always good talking to you. Um, I'm glad that you're doing better with your health. Um, you know, otherwise I would have had to do, do this podcast by myself <laughs> or find a new co-host, um, which is still a possibility. You'd anyway. love that. But, um, you know, I love you. I respect you. Um, I appreciate you. And I'm glad that we got this episode out because it, it felt somewhat cathartic, um, even though we, we weren't trying to just, you know, come back and rehash everything. I do like the way in which we formulated our thoughts and just kind of went with this. Might have to be a two-parter because <laughs> <laughs> we kind of ran with it. It's all good. Uh, but, um, but uh, you know, I, I say that to say, you know, looking forward to us getting back at it you know, now again on, you know, what, whatever the other side of wherever we're at today is as it's a day to day process, but looking back to looking forward to us getting back to just, you know, getting more conversations out yeah. um, either around this or whatever else comes out. So, but yeah. th- that 
whatever else comes out it is hard for me in thinking about if we start talking about quote unquote frivolous topics, are we becoming part of the problem in detracting from the, the focus on the movement? But let's not go back down. That I, road I right believe now. in us to be tasteful. I, I can never forget that word after the uh, Fresh Prince episode of like Hillary doing Playboy, I think oh. it was. <laughs> and it's just like, just the framework of the way that word tasteful, tasteful was just used. And I just, for some reason that like is seriously ingrained in my brain every time I think of using <laughs> the word tasteful. I think you and I can be very smart and tasteful in our approach with regards to anything we think to talk about and also acknowledging and thinking about, you know, what's happening in, in the world as well. So I believe in us to but, be respectful individuals in that capacity. So I'm not worried about that. And with that, my friend, until next time. Until next time, it's not over text. Conversation Sam. better had in person, Carl. Absolutely. Peace. And that's a wrap. That is a wrap on another episode of Not Over Text, Conversations Better Had in Person with your boys, Carl and Sam. Thanks for listening. Let us know your thoughts by emailing us at notovertext at gmail.com and following us on Instagram at notovertext. The podcast is available on all major platforms. That includes Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google. Anywhere podcasts live, you'll find us there. Subscribe and give us five stars five stars and also leave us comments and we will read through your comments but only five star comments so if you have shade throw the shade and also <laughs> throw me five stars and if you're upset at sam for not reading your less than five star comment let us know about it by leaving us a voice memo using the anchor app awesome thanks for listening to another episode of not over text